jock. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I just said jock. <laughs> do, we, do we wake you up? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you you know you're badass, but all you need to do is go by one name. Yeah. That's not your real name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Hey everybody, it's another Bass Fans Podcast. Um, this is episode number... 17. Se- 17. Thank you, Tim. We're old enough to drive now, and we <laughs> we can get into an R-rated movie. Yep, another right. milestone on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> so if there ever is a new Batman movie that's rated R, our podcast can go see it. <laughs> but more importantly, we can drive to the movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unless we fail the test a bunch of times. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story you just reminded me of. Um, um, my mom was at the library, and the library was right, right next to this police station, and that's where our testing station used to be. And uh, my mom parked on a hill, parallel parked on a hill, and there was a kid um, taking a test right in front of her. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the, the instructor does the, you know, once around the car, make sure everything works, all the lights and stuff. And then, um, you know, he gets in the car, and they're about ready to go. And the kid, for some reason, rolls into my mom's car. Oh, hits man. <laughs> oh, man. And, the, and the tester was like, um, my mom, do you, do you want to file a report or anything? And my mom was like, no. <laughs> he failed, so I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to bury him. <laughs> Make him feel <laughs> <Yeah>. even worse. <laughs> Make him feel even worse. Um, yeah, but we have Tim with us. Tim, say hello, hello. hello to the good people. Hello, good people. <laughs> and we have Terrence. Terrence is back again. Yes, yeah. You'll never get rid of me now. Yeah. Yeah, just just stay away from us already. <laughs> yeah, you made God. a mistake inviting me on. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't left my computer since the first podcast. I've just been waiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's uh, have a countdown clock on there. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we have Terrence with us, and um, that's it. That's all the people we have. Um, yeah, this is episode number 17, and <laughs> I don't know how to transition to <laughs> <laughs> so, This is what we're going to talk about. But, um, Tim. Yes. You brought it up, so you introduce this topic and get us started. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so basically when I was reading Death of the Family Part 2 or Batman number 14, just I mean, how great it is, it's almost, it's impossible, I'm sure there's some out there to find a Batman fan where the Joker is not their favorite villain, because when you read stories like that, it's like, how can he not be your favorite Batman villain? But then again, Batman has such a great rogues gallery that everyone's going to have their additional favorites. So it's kind of got me thinking, what some of our other favorite villains that we would like to see Scott Snyder take take on writing next, or just in general what our other favorite Batman villains are. So that's kind of what I wanted to discuss with you guys and see, get your opinions on that as far as other Batman villains. Right off for me, 
um, obviously Alice from um, Batwoman, but um, to be original, I would say... Well, I think that's an original choice in itself. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I guess so. People really want to pick Alice, but um, Professor Pig, because mm. I just remember when Grant Morrison was writing him, he was a creepy villain, and comparing that Professor Pig to what Scott Snyder has done with, with the Joker, I think he, he could do a really, really good job. Yeah, that's a good choice, because I remember yeah. when we first read about Professor Pig, like this is like a different, weird, but a, a good Batman villain to come out. <laughs> That yeah. we haven't seen in a while, and I'd like to see more of him. And of course, in Snyder's hands, who knows how much more good he can do with that character. Um, Terrence, who would you? Yeah, pick? you know, I was, I, you know, you can go with all like the classic ones, but I kind of liked. Um, I'm going back to like the mid '90s. It was kind of more of a, a little bit more of a Robin video uh, villain, but he had um, Anarchy. Did you guys ever read anything with Anarchy? Like right, the, yeah. the, the Alan Grant run. I always kind of liked that villain because he. Um, and you could do a lot with him. It was kind of, it was a little bit of a knockoff of V for Vendetta. Um, but the other one I really liked too and would love to see Scott Snyder do would be Clayface. Um, because yeah. I thought they did Clayface really good in the animated series. And there's, there's a whole, there's a bunch of different takes you could go with him. There's so much you could do with that villain. Um, that, um, it's, it's pretty cool. I would love to see Scott Snyder do a, a really good Clayface story. You took my pick. <laughs> oh, I did? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, let me change that. Let me change it. No, to it's, it's two great I'm minds thinking alike. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to touch on Terrence's point about using Clayface, I was thinking the same thing, especially, like you said, the animated series. And it seems like recently Clayface has been used as a just a cameo appearance character. You see him in a few pages. He gets taken out easily. And he's, there's not really much to him except him popping up here and there. I think he is a good enough character if they do him right, kind of like what they did in the animated series, to like establish a arc that based that's based just off him. He could pose a real good threat to Batman. And with Snyder writing it, you know he's done a bunch of like other like American Vampire in that severed kind of book that he had where he do some horror stuff. Yeah, and I think Clayface can kind of fit into that. Maybe he's like something where he does somehow find out like Bruce Wayne is Batman and all the other Bat family members. Or maybe since he's a shapeshifter, he sneaks in, or like he's like Damien or Nightwing, something like that, where Bat Bruce doesn't even know, like he's being infiltrated by Clayface, something in that realm, mm -hmm. realm of like storytelling, where he doesn't know that something's actually going on. But I think Clayface is a character that has a bunch of possibilities that could be make some cool Batman stories, and with Scott Snyder doing it, <laughs> I mean, it'd probably just make it even better. So <laughs> definitely agree with you on the Clayface front. Yeah, you'd think Batman would be able to kind of tell if Clayface in disguise right away, but he definitely be able to trick maybe Robin or Batgirl or, you know, that to really get him. That's a good point, um, too, yeah. Not yeah. necessarily Batman, but maybe other members of the Batman that you could, like, fool or trick into believing it's someone else. Yeah, the, the other one, I'd love to see Scott Snyder do a really good Riddler story. Most of the Riddler stories I, I don't like just because the writers come up with just stupid riddles or they just, they don't do it justice. You know, they're not, you know, they're just lame. But, um... Greg Capullo tweeted a, a picture of the Riddler the other day, so I don't know if he's going to make an appearance in the the Joker story or if he's going to come um, have his own story after the Joker. But I'm really interested to see what that picture was about. And he had him with like the hat with the question mark. So somebody tweeted back, "You're like, does this mean no question mark in the hair, like on the cover of Batman number one?" But um, yeah, maybe we'll get a, a good Riddler story next. Yeah, he's definitely a villain who. Hasn't had a good story in a long time. 
I mean, he yeah. had that appearance of the Tony Daniel run. Oh, God, yeah, I know. <laughs> Where he beat up his daughter or something. Yeah. That was just, yeah, that was awful. I thought when Dane, I thought he would say David Hine was the worst Batman villain, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. Yeah. I would really like to see um, Scott Snyder take on David Hine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, have him go through all kinds of <laughs> horrible <laughs> tortures. And <laughs> so, so what would you guys think if um, um, the, the next villain Scott Snyder takes on is Penguin? Uh, please don't. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd love to see his take on Penguin. It's just Penguin is just in every other comic that I read these days, so it's he's kind of a little overdone. But um, and we already got a good Penguin story last year with Greg Kurwitz, uh Pain and Prejudice, was it? Yeah. And that served, uh, I think, uh, all the Penguin we need for a while as far as, like, a good arc from him that we've had. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, it's just been overkill with everything. Or how about um, Killer Croc? Hey, I think he can be good, too. Yeah. Another villain I was thinking that who hasn't had a good main arc in a long time since Nightfall would be Bane, I think. Kind of in that same mold as Clayface. He's always kind of like a side cameo character who's never had, like, his own full arc in a long time. Yeah, he was in the, the Dark Knight comic book, yeah, like, like, just I a said. little <laughs> bit, and it, they wasted him. Yeah, they should He needs to... He needs a complete and total, you know, retcon to look like the the movie or, or be more like the movie, and, yeah, that Scott Snyder would be awesome to do that. Yeah, because I think Bane is... When you think about Bane, he, for me, anyway, he's one of the... My top favorite Batman villains, but when you think about it, he always, his claim to fame is just one story, which is Nightfall. Yeah. And he, to think of him more as like one of the elite Batman villains, he would need more classic stories and fights against Batman that kind of puts him up there amongst the other classic Batman villains without all these classic stories with Batman and interactions with him. So I think he definitely needs some more. <laughs> Yes, but, to come out for him. Right, especially with the new movie too. Yeah. I mean, if they if they revamped him to look a lot more like the movie, and then had like a big press release and the cover, and that would get people, I think, to pick it up and buy it. Who aren't going to buy it if it's just him again in the the Mexican wrestler, you know, mask, uh, you know, the the venom. So uh, yeah, that's that would be that would be awesome. Did you particularly like the movie Bane better than the comics, or would you like to see more of a blend? Uh, personally, I like the movie better. But um, I did I I do like the um, the animated series Bane a lot as well. Um, and the comics, I, I, he's never been my favorite in the comics. So, but I did like the movie and the animated series. What's that one episode where it's like Barbara Gordon's worst fears? Yeah, over the edge. Over the edge. Yeah, he's really cool in that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he throws the the bat signal at, at Batman and all that. That that's probably my favorite um, take on Bane. That he's just like dangerous and imposing and a really badass on that one. So yeah, that was awesome. The only thing that bugs me about the animated series version of Bane, just the designs they had for him. For the you always saw his mouth. I like his better when the mask covers his whole face. Oh or like yeah, in Dark Knight Rises. His mouth was covered. I just that design always bugged me about it. <laughs> Even in the revamp, it looked better in the revamp animated series, but they still had his mouth showing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm I'm predicting it. Um, Scott Snyder's next villain is going to be KG Beast, <laughs> or or Gorilla Boss. <laughs> wow. What about Crazy Quilt? That's a good choice too. Crazy. <laughs> no, no, who, what villain I want to see make a big comeback? Killer Moth. <laughs> yeah. 
for some reason, as a little kid when I first got into Batman, Killer Mods always stood out to me for some reason. Just, I don't know if it was designed as a big bug or whatever, but I never actually read anything about him until I heard about Barbara Gordon's origin where she prevented Killer Mods from kidnapping Bruce Wayne in a masquerade ball or something. <laughs> He's pretty much was like the laughing stock of the Batman villains. So. <laughs> I did. I, I do like that one. Uh, was it Teen Titans where he Killer Moth is? I forget what he does. He kidnaps somebody or is holding the city hostage so his daughter can go to the prom with Robin. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> no, yeah, that. it's it's completely silly and ridiculous, but it's really funny. <laughs> it sounds like it fits the character. <laughs> yeah. So who would you not want to see? Scott Snyder take on as a villain next next story arc. I think the, the only one like we mentioned would be Penguin, just because he's overkill. But I think yeah. in the hands of Scott Snyder, even a villain that we might not necessarily like that much, he could turn him into a great story or a great character. So there's really not one particular villain I wouldn't want him to see, because I think he has the potential to do justice to any villain he chooses to write for. Yeah, for me, it's it's um Egghead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Terrence, who would you pick? I don't know. That's a tough one. I can't, you know, I think Scott Snyder is so good. He could do anything, but um, maybe uh, in all honesty, Two-Face, I don't know. I, I feel like they have no clue what to do with Two-Face right now. He's he's He was in those backup stories, and those were, like, really bad and stuff. Yeah. So if if I'd like to see, like, Two-Face just disappear for a little while and somebody come back out and just, to completely reintroduce him, maybe even in the new 52, just have him as uh, the district attorney or as Harvey Dent. That's to kind of build him up again first before he actually becomes Two-Face. Yeah, exactly, since they're kind of retconning everything. After those zero issues, it's kind of like so much has changed, you know. Yeah. But uh, no, I can't think of anybody offhand that, that jumps out that I say no way um, with Scott Snyder. But just for the record, what are your or who is your second favorite villains after the Joker? You know, I, as I always like the Riddler, but um, you know he he's used so badly. They, like there's so many writers that just use him badly. Um, but I kind of like the Riddler. The one that just popped into my mind here too is uh, I'd like to see Scott Snyder maybe introduce the Phantasm into. Oh man! Uh, wow, you just blew my yeah. mind right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you could start that from scratch. I mean, there was a little bit with stuff with him, like, in the year two kind of arc, but all that stuff is done, so that would be a cool, you know, because you'd kind of, like, wonder what, you know, you have some knowledge from the movie, but you know they were changing it, so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, because kind of, like, combine the two characters, like, one from the animated series, Mask of the Phantasm, and the one that was in year two, if you do something like that, man. Now you're going to really make me want that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So who's your second favorite villain, Dean? Do you even have to ask me that? Yes, I do. I got to make Alice, it of course. Alice. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm I'm a proud owner of four copies of the entire Elegy run now. <laughs> oh wow! I ordered my fourth copy off of uh, eBay. Um, so yeah, Alice. <laughs> do you even have the them digitally? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't know. I just, every time I see a copy, I just need to buy it. <laughs> um. Tim, who who would yours be? Mine would have to be the Scarecrow. And I know he's kind of figured as one of those real gimmicky Batman villains, but I think he just makes for some great stories and a villain to go up against Batman using fear, and then when Batman's supposed to operate with fear too, so I think they clash good together. And there's been some, of course, great some animated series stories with him. But one, I would have said Scott Snyder, 
him as a villain, I'd like to see Scott Snyder write. But since Greg Hurwitz is doing a great job with his current uh, art going on in Dark Knight, I'm kind of kind of getting my Scarecrow fix. So <laughs> it's not what I'm dying to see Scott Snyder do. But there was one story that that came to mind. When I was thinking about it for the Scarecrow. I don't know if you guys read it. I think it was back in 2007 uh, with Detective Comics. They did this two-part Scarecrow story called Absolute Terror. It was like during the time Paul Dini was doing his detective run, but this was like a, just a filler story. But it was actually a pretty good Scarecrow one where he actually wasn't um, using his fear gas but to terrorize Gotham, but he was able to really cause panic and fear against the city without it just by committing these random murders in people's homes and theaters, like movie theaters, and just leaving like these scarecrow dummies all over the place in Gotham, some of them actually containing dead bodies. It was just a cool story, like creepy story of seeing Scarecrow hold the city in panic without actually using his fear toxin. So I'd like to see kind of more stories around that where it's, it's not just using him as a gimmick character just with his fear gas. So I think he does have the potential to make for some really great stories that we don't see too often with the character, but definitely that we're getting the Dark Knight story we're getting right now. So what is your favorite uh, Scarecrow story? Um, no shocker here, but it'd probably be one of the animated series episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the one, uh, Dreams in Darkness, where Batman gets uh, the gas, gets the sphere gas sprayed on him, but then he ends up in Arkham Asylum. And yet Scarecrow's in the reservoir, underground reservoir, uh, poisoning the Gotham City's water supply. But then just the insight we get into Batman's head in Arkham was just great. And those are the type of stories that I think make the Scarecrow great, where we get to see Batman like confront his fear of what he actually is afraid of. So that one's probably definitely up there. Yeah, which um, which animated series episode was the one where Scarecrow... I don't know, I, I have a vague memory, like he... He breaks into like a bank vault. Yeah, that's the very first one he appeared in. Oh, I, I think see. the fear. I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even that good one too in the new Batman Adventures, where instead of using the fear toxin or causing people fear, he actually makes a gas that takes away your fear, which causes people just to do anything they want and causing more like panic in the city. So I think there's a lot of things you can do with this character that make him a good villain, and not just oh he sprays Batman. He's he has fear of, of something now. So I think he. You definitely could use it for much more than that. That just has the gimmicky villain. Yeah, wasn't that a comic story too? Uh, not one I remember. I just mainly remember from the animated series. Oh, I thought they they did one like in Co- Batman Confidential, and that was still going. But I never actually read that. Oh, <laughs> so maybe. <they're> <laughs> but they did. They're just ripping off the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim, you and the animated <laughs> series. What's <laughs> it's it's a torrid love affair. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never, you'll very rarely hear me say anything negative about the animated series. <laughs> Which I actually just did when I complained about Bane's mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that absolute terror, I just looked it up. I remember that. That was really good. That was, um, that was during the Paul Dini run, but he didn't write that. That was like, they had the guest writer, John Rosam, and That's the artist, yeah. well, yeah, the artist was Tom Mandrake, who did a lot of, like, that Spectre stuff in the 80s, and, yeah, that was really good. Um, did you like the Scarecrow, how he was portrayed in um, Batman Begins? Yeah, I thought they did a great job with it. I mean, it's not the typical way that you see him, but they got all the main points of the character right, like a professor who was obsessed with fear and then using that against the patients of Arkham. I thought it was a great way to introduce him. And I loved his design, the mask he had on that. It was really yeah. cool and creepy. I just wish he had it on more. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was great. I the, my only knock on the other movies is that they could have used Scarecrow a lot more than they did. He had these little cameos, but that was it. It would have been cool if he was a 
more part of the plot. I know the the Dark Knight there wasn't a lot of room for him, but in um, the Dark Knight Rises, I think they could have used him a little bit in some spots. So. I think how he was in Dark Knight, the Dark Knight was perfect. I mean, he you he was a villain in Batman Begins, so you didn't need him to be too much. But that goes yeah. into the whole point of never killing off villains in superhero yeah. movies because you could just use him for something quick like that instead of just having the hero catch these like random thugs that they usually do in sequels just to introduce you to the hero again. Just yeah. use one of those villains that was from the first movie who didn't die. <laughs> yeah, I think he was the first villain to ever be in more than one movie. Cause, yeah. You know, I know in um, Batman and Robin, like, they showed the Riddler in Two-Face's costume in the background, but that was, <laughs> that was yeah, that was really lame. <laughs> but what I remember when I saw that, I was like, that, he's back in another movie? I thought you forgot about the last guy. So, And, uh, you know, just real quick, I like that um, – I love the Scarecrow in the animated series. I think, I don't know if it was his first appearance, but the one where he was using his fear toxin to scare, like, athletes, and then he was betting yeah. on the games. Like, that was so cool, because that was so realistic, as opposed to, like, holding the city hostage or freezing the city, or, like, that's what you would do if you had the fear toxin. You'd, you know, scare the quarterback, bet on the game, win the money. Like, it was very realistic for, you know, and you didn't see that in cartoons at all. In those days, so yeah, I thought that was if they if they did stuff a little more grounded with the scarecrow like that, just like getting revenge on you know people who wronged him or you know doing stuff like that, it, he works really well. Yeah, it's funny about that episode because that was actually going to be the very first episode to air, I believe, that was going to have Robin in it. I was so excited to see it, and at my local station, they're actually running a baseball game that day. Oh, so like Batman was on at 5 p.m. and I didn't get to see it. Like, oh man. <laughs> Uh, who knows I'm going to see Robin appear. I was hoping they, they'd save it for the next day, but the episode I remember after that to air, I believe, was I got Batman in my basement. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. What is this? Where's Robin? <laughs> Too bad you didn't have any of the fear toxin. You could have, like, acted out and, like, scared the players so they'd run away <laughs> so you could watch Batman. <laughs> Did you bet on the game? Nope. I just want to watch Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love that episode, too. All right. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could talk about Batman villains forever. <laughs> <laughs> we could pick each one and spend hours of talking about them. Um, okay, so I guess we can move on to the Batman solicitations for February 2013. And let me just say up top that there's a magnificent cover for Batman Bat and Robin, Woman. right? No, Bat <laughs> Batwoman. <laughs> Number uh, 17. Yeah, that is an awesome picture, like you said. I think it'd make for a great poster, too. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into um, what you guys like, Tim, I have a question for you. Go for it. Would you rather watch the entire Twilight series for every day for the rest of your life? Oh, God. <laughs> or would you rather destroy the entire DC franchise overall and the entire Star Wars franchise? I'd have to sit through Twilight <laughs> In order for the other franchises to survive, I'm willing to sacrifice for those to live on. So I'll go with it. But you know what that means, right? It means that you can't watch anything Batman. You can't read anything Batman. You can't watch anything Star Wars. You can't read anything Star Wars. Yeah, but I gotta be selfless here and take the bullet <laughs> so everyone else can still enjoy these. Or else we'd have nothing but Twilight. <laughs> and, and they have to keep your eyes open like Clockwork Orange while you watch it. <laughs> Strap down, eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're a master Jedi, Tim. <laughs> you're, you're selfless. 
No, but if that ever happened, I'd trust one of you two just to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being put through that torture. Um, yeah, but but anyways, maybe we should talk about the solicitations now. Yeah, for me, I think the one that stood out the most was that Red Hood and the Outlaws number 17. That was just a really cool picture of Batman holding Jason Todd as Red Hood. And then you see in the reflection on the bottom, him as Robin for when he got killed by the Joker. I think that's just an awesome image. Yeah, because they, they, they keep hinting that someone's going to die. And it seems like Jason Todd would be the most logical person to get killed if they are actually going to kill someone. I mean, they've people have hinted before that someone's going to die in comic books and then nobody ever dies or some guy you never heard of dies. Yeah. But um, if that is the death... Because I don't know, I was wondering if you guys knew what Scott Snyder thought of them bringing Jason Todd back to life. Cause some people liked it. Other people hated that. And if he was one of those guys who hated Jason Todd coming back to life, this might be his chance to, to change that and get rid of Jason Todd. But that is definitely an intriguing cover. I mean, that's interesting. Cause I don't remember ever reading or hearing anything about what Scott Snyder thought about the whole Jason Todd thing, but I don't know if they would, have it where Jason Todd dies again. Uh, to me, for me, anyway, it would kind of be a weak way to end the story if that is the big death, because he already died by the Joker before, and then if he's just the victim again. I don't, know, I don't think it would have that great of an impact if it was somebody else. But yeah, reading by these solicitations, because a lot of them say, like for Nightwing, I think Batgirl, like it's showing, like the description of the issue starts off, like the aftermath of Death of the Family. It seems like most of these characters are alive and well afterward, if these indeed are after the whole death of the family story. So yeah. if anyone is going to die, and it looks like from that cover anyway, it will be Jason Todd or maybe someone we're not expecting, but who knows <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Starfire. She's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> the big victim. <laughs> yeah. Or um, Roy Harper. Yeah, they, they should just kill those two characters off and just have Jason <laughs> in his own book instead of having a team. Yeah, just yeah. make it Red Hood, not Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah, and I know it seems like Judd Winnick's not going to be doing any Batman books. <laughs> kind of what you were, since he's the one who brought Jason Todd back. If he's not going to be doing anything for Batman, maybe he would be the character to die off. If your point rings true, Terrence, about Scott Snyder wanting to make Yeah, I don't know if he is or not, but it could be because I was not a fan of bringing Jason Todd back. So. I'm I'm kind of hoping it is him. And one of them's gonna bite it. But um, how would you guys feel if it was Jason Todd? Yeah, you already got my thoughts on it. So what's yours, Dane? I don't know. I, I I really don't care about Red Hood and the Outlaws anymore. Um, just because of the quality of the book. Yeah. And yeah, I I don't think I would like the like it though. Um, if if Jason died again, because I don't know what was the point of bringing him back. I mean, I, I guess if they did, it was just to get more money. I mean, you did have some good stories. I mean, at first I was kind of with you, Terrence, where it was, why are they bringing it back? Just one of those typical comic things where nobody's dead forever. But yeah, I think he ended up being a good character to bring back into the universe with some stories they told. But Are you talking about the miniseries? For what? Uh, Red Hood. He had that miniseries. Oh, yeah, that's right. The one's like... A year or two ago. Oh, that yeah. one started off pretty good. And kind of at the end, it was like just all right. But, I mean, like the whole, uh, I mean, the movie's actually better than the comics, but the Under the Red Hood story, when he first revealed himself, I thought was pretty cool. And then he had some, I think it was in the second arc in Batman and Robin, which I thought was pretty good, too. I mean, he's just a good, I think, another character who's part of the Bat family, kind of like the 
the one family member who's not part of the team and who just like distanced themselves from it and is not really it's kind of like the disgruntled bad family member, <laughs> but yet he's not really a bad guy either. Like, I kind of like the di- the dynamic he has with the other characters sometimes. Yeah, but you see, I, I've, I find that he's more interesting when he's working with the bad family. Um, and, and all of these stories that's, that are told in Red Hood and the Outlaws is... Yeah, it's definitely not that. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you see, what I don't get is when the new 52 hit, why didn't they give um, uh, Judd Winnick Red Hood and the Outlaws? Yeah, because he was, like, yeah. the only writer who wrote him pretty good. <laughs> right, I mean... Maybe not do Batwing or Catwoman and do Red Hood. I mean, if, if there's anybody that knows that character, it's him. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, Terrence. Yes. What did you like from the solicitations? Uh, I like it, – it's kind of psychedelic, but I like the uh, Batman the Dark Knight cover <laughs> by Ethan Van Skyver with – Batman wearing the the Mad Hatter ass uh, mask and the mushrooms in the back and the colors. Um, that looks like it's. I mean, the detail on that artwork is pretty amazing. I mean, I wouldn't like that if that's how every Batman comic looked, but you know, I think that's a pretty pretty interesting, pretty cool new take on it. But it's you know, it's still got like these flowers with skulls in them and this big purplish pink bat in the background so it still looks like kind of yeah it still looks kind of freaky and scary yet it's still got like these giant mushrooms so that looks really cool and i love ethan van skyver's art so that'll that'll be good and um i like the cover too i like chris burnham's art a lot and i like the cover for uh batman incorporated with like the broken glass even though that book just feels so out of place with all the rest i almost want to just take those put them in a pile wait till they're done and then read them after. So, yeah, but especially the last issue, which you guys already reviewed, but where they're telling Damien to, that he can't be Robin anymore, but yet he's in all these other books as Robin where they don't even mention that. It, it's just, it's just so out of place. It's just, you know, Grant Morrison being allowed to do whatever he wants. Cause he's makes them a lot of money, but, um, and then Batman 17, it looks like Barbara Gordon's going to face her brother. So, um, Hopefully, maybe that'll bring that to an end because that just is not. Um, I don't know. That that hasn't been like gripping me that storyline. It just seems kind of forced. But um, how about you, Dane? What did you like besides the the Batwoman cover? Okay, besides the Batwoman cover, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Tim. That Red Hood and the Outlaws cover is amazing um, by Miko Su- Suian. Suian. Miko Suian. <laughs> Tim, sounds about how right. you that? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> also, the, the the Nightwing cover looks pretty awesome. Yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna give props to what Terrence said about the Dark Knight 17 cover. <laughs> it's just like too weird that it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to that arc, seeing what he does with the Mad Hatter, another underused Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I like the Mad Hatter though. I just too weird for me. <laughs> too weird and creepy. Dark Knight yeah. 17 would be a good poster for like a college, do- <clears throat> sorry, a college dorm room, you know. <laughs> that would freak right. somebody out. <laughs> or just put it on the outside door or something, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going in that room. <laughs> yeah. But um, speaking of college dorm rooms, um, the, the Dark Knight Rises campaign Oscar campaign has begun. Yeah, it seems like they're really they're really trying to push almost like too much. Like they're I don't know, to me it kinda of seems a little desperate that they're putting 
like the Dark Knight Rises for every category that you know they're not going to win. I mean, realistically, what categories would you like, or would you think that they're actually going to win? Best cinematography, maybe. Yeah, it's going to be around those ones, but yeah, for me, I'm hoping that. It at least gets a nod for Best Picture, just because it has those, I think, what, it's ten movies can get nominated for that. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. maybe for The Dark Knight Rises, but for snubbing The Dark Knight, I think it deserves to be in that <laughs> nomination for Best Picture, because that's pretty much the whole reason why they had those extra movies in there, <laughs> because they snubbed The Dark Knight. And maybe Best Art Direction. Yeah, probably Visual Effects, too, I would say. Yeah. I'd like to see Nolan get nominated for Director, too. I don't think he'd win, but kind of like I'm hoping for what they did for Lord of the Rings Return of the King where they, the other movie didn't win a lot of those the first two movies but then they gave it all to Return of the King kind of as like a accomplishment for the whole trilogy which yeah. I hope they do it for the, this one but even though I don't think it'll win I think it should be cool if it gets nominated for those type of things though. do you guys know what it's going up against? no nothing's been announced yet this is their, oh. just pushing the Academy for like to nominate it but oh, I see. like some of the things like they have for like Best Supporting Actors Marion Cotillard I, I think Gary Oldman's up for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, as great as Gary Oldman is as Gordon, he really didn't have too much to do in The Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> besides being in the hospital bed in the few end sequence. <laughs> so it's like some of those nominations, kind of like, it's kind of like they're trying a little too hard to get this movie all the nominations it can. So what about Best Actor for um, Christian Bale? Do you think he's going to win that? No, I mean, it'd be really cool if he does, <laughs> but I don't see it happening. <laughs> Yeah, everything I've heard from people is, is uh, Daniel Day Lewis is going to win it for Lincoln. Oh, then yeah, it's the 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 Dark Knight Rises is going to win. It's not going to win Best Picture if it's going up against the, the Abraham Lincoln movie. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of my thinking. It's like my I'd be happy if it just gets nominations because I know it's not going to win anything. I think nominations would be an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, well, I'd like to see it win for Best. Um, and it's not down here as best original score, just the music. I mean, I think the music in all three movies has been phenomenal. And like in the car chase scenes and in the fight scenes, except for in Dark Knight Rises, the one where there was no music. But I mean, the music has just been so mo- powerful that, I, you know, I, I'd like to see that win or get nominated because that's sometimes overlooked. Yeah. But um, sometimes like. Like some of these like comic book movies and stuff, they won't you know give them a nomination just cause. But on the effects and the whatever here, sound mixing, editing, music, they'll you know they won't be so prejudiced against them. So, but um, I, I love the music in the movies. So yeah, I'd love to see the, mu- the music get nominated. Yeah, and even um, best costume design, I yeah. really want to see uh, what's her name, Lindy Hemming, win for that. I mean, especially what she did to the 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 bat suit. And of course, Bane's mask and all yeah. that stuff. But did that? Did the Dark Knight win for uh, costume designs at all? I don't remember. I don't think it did. Yeah, it goes back to the other point. Just give it to it for all, all three movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. the Dark Knight won for Best Supporting Actor. Heath Ledger won. Yeah, definitely. I think it won cinematography too. I believe maybe visual effects. Has Hans Zimmer ever ever won for the the Batman movies? Remember there was that. Um, I forget what exactly happened was, but there's like some controversy with live the music score couldn't be nominated for Best Soundtrack. Some because it was Hans Zimmer and um, the other guy who collaborated on it. Right. His name was James Newton Howard. Yeah. There, but I, yeah. I, there was some, like, because they collaborated on it, like, it wasn't ed- eligible for it. I forget the exact reason, but there was some something where it couldn't be nominated. I remember that was a big, like, story when it first happened back in 08, when they were getting the nominations ready. But when, it seems like they're, they have, like, that website, 
for Rollo's pictures. At least even like a new. It's almost like they're releasing stuff for the movie before it comes out because they re- also released that one still picture of Batman after he got beat up by Bane just lying there on the floor. Just a high res shot of that. <laughs> it's kind of almost like they're treating this as like a release somewhat, just releasing some new images out of it, <laughs> trying to promote it. It would yeah. be cool if they do release it in theaters, though, again. I know they do some for other movies sometimes when they're doing the Oscar push just to get people to go see it again. That'd be cool if they do that. The, uh, if you guys, real quick, um, the Academy Awards for the Oscars here, The Dark Knight won Best Actor for Heath Ledger, and it won Best Sound Editing for Richard King. It was nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Film Editing, Makeup, Sound effects and visual effects, but it didn't win any of those. Wow, how could I win for makeup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best sound editing. What is that? What 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 is that? Is that... Like how they mix the whole soundtrack? I guess everything. The soundtrack, the oh. sound effects, everything. Well, that's kind of strange. It won that, but not cinematography and visual effects. Man, yeah. man, that a that year for the awards was a bust. <laughs> Dark Knight was screwed. Dark Knight, the soundtrack, did win a Grammy Award for Best uh, Soundtrack from a Motion Picture, but didn't win the that's Oscar. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Grammy. At least it got a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so who won um, Best Picture that year? Uh, what you year know? was that? Wasn't it a Slumdog Millionaire? Oh, I, I think. I can tell you in a second. Yep, Slumdog Millionaire. And, then, yeah, uh, that, and I'm guessing, um, what's his name, won, uh, the, the director of that movie won... Uh, best director. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was up against The C- Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, and The Reader. How the Dark Yeah, Dark Knight is not on that list as a crime. <laughs> yeah. I remember The Reader was like the movie that beat The Dark Knight out for... Oh, you got to be kidding me. I remember like everyone saying that, that <laughs> The Reader shouldn't have been on there, but it was like this whole like political thing in the movie business that somehow it got... It got nominated in there, and Dark Knight did it, but yeah, how could it not be? I don't even Reader. Milk. <laughs> uh, oh, and this was the other thing, too. The the best animated feature was Wally, and that I remember that. People were saying it was the Dark Knight and Wally. How were those not nominated for best picture? And the Reader and Milk. <laughs> is, and so that's why they expanded it. Who remember those movies now? The Reader and Milk. <laughs> I didn't. I had a look, like I had a click on the hyperlink to see. What the heck was Milk? Was this about a cow or something? Oh, Sean Penn. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those movies. Slumdog Millionaire or Milk or The Reader. I mean, are, are those movies better than The Dark Knight Rise or The Dark Knight? No, I've I would s- safely say no. <laughs> no, I've seen Slumdog Millionaire and Frost Nixon. They were both good, but nowhere close to The Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. I'm not even saying that just as a Batman fan. Like even just like the movie making, the cinematography, the act, everything. I mean, they don't even come close to what The Dark Knight did. I mean, Frost Nixon is mostly two guys sitting in chairs talking to each other. I mean, that's most of the that's most of the movie. So, I mean, The Dark Knight, they flipped over a tractor trailer. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, but two people talking in a room is much more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Batman and the Joker were talking in a room for a while, but then, you know... But it wasn't the whole movie. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They needed more of more talking. Yeah. One of these days, hopefully, like, these superhero movies will get rid of that, I guess, whatever prejudice the Academy has against it, where they don't really count it as real movies, but just, like, 
inter- popcorn fun entertainment for the casual audience or whatever. But yeah, but I don't think it's going to be this this upcoming Academy Awards. Yeah. I, I I don't think the Dark Knight is going to win Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting oh, Actor. I think it's oh, going to win, you know, these bottom ones, you know, best visual effects and stuff like that. But how cool would it be if it did? <laughs> cool. That would yeah. that'd be awesome. That's why I was real happy when Lord of the Rings Return of the King won all that. It was like, yeah, finally one of these fantasy movies, something that's not just a drama that took home everything. Did you guys see The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? No. No. I haven't either. I, but I saw the commercials. I can't imagine it could. This is... It, that one best makeup, it beat out The Dark Knight and Hellboy 2, Hellboy wow. 2 The Golden Army. And and then it won best visual effects, and it beat out The Dark Knight, and it beat out Iron Man. What? So, All because yeah. Brad Pitt would make it to like an old man? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I never saw the movie, so I can't tell, but I, I, The Hellboy 2 is a great movie. I can't believe that uh, that movie had better makeup. And Iron Man had great visual effects, yeah. so... Yeah, that, like I said, they're not dramas. So. <laughs> yeah, that is we can't win. And a quick aside, um, Tim, mm-hmm. I I watched um, Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story three. Uh-huh. I have total faith in that writer. Yeah, just by Toy He's Story like, three. Yeah, I haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, Toy Story three is so sad. <laughs> you know what? Everybody says how sad that movie is, but I mean it's really good. I liked it. But I didn't get super sad with it. I think it's because. Really? Maybe it's for people who experienced that where they had to move on and get rid of the toys, but I still have all my childhood <laughs> toys, so <laughs> I never had to experience that in real life. Well, well, I mean, it wasn't only that. It was the that 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 bear, that toy bear, uh-huh. that got left behind and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, my God. I feel bad for losing all my toys. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I have total faith in that guy now. Yeah, I like the choice, though. Little Miss Sunshine was awesome. And what is that about, anyway? It, it's about a little girl that wants to go and compete in um, a child beauty pageant. Uh-huh. And she isn't, you know, the, the best-looking girl. Or is it about Honey Boo? No, 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 it's not like that. It's, it actually has substance to it. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's actually a really good movie. It's, it's really funny, and, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Yeah, well, hopefully if Dark Knight Rises, I'm going to get all this... Episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is um, I mean, now that uh, Lucasfilm is part of Disney, are are they going to be able to get nominated? Hopefully, maybe Disney can buy the Academy. <laughs> they can have control of the Oscars. No, no, because no, I I thought it was because it, it was a technicality, and then George Lucas left the um the Academy. No, they just didn't like him, really. Oh, they just don't like oh, him. Oh, I see. Like Star, the first Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture, and oh, that, of course, didn't win. I think it lost to like Annie or something like that, no. <laughs> or some, some dumb movie. You're talking about getting <laughs> the, the Dark Knight getting <laughs> off the show. <laughs> a new hope got, got stolen from Annie. <laughs> I think it was that. I could be wrong, but I think it was some like girl's name movie that beat it out. <laughs> like, uh, oh, Annie Hall, the the Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I think that was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's still bad. Oh my god, I I can't stop thinking about that now. <laughs> and you hope getting snubbed by Annie Hall. <laughs> How can Empire not get nominated? <laughs> no, no, I I think that was it because um, the Lucasfilm thing. In the beginning, you know, after the 20th Century Fox logo, it went to Lucasfilm. Like, I don't think that 
um, if you're part of the academy, your name can be on the company name. Uh-huh. Well, I know I know he did get in trouble for um, not having credits in the opening, but saving him for right. the actual end credits. I know he got in trouble for that and had to pay a big fine because of that. So yeah. sure that didn't help either. It's so stupid. The things that make part... Little things that make that Star Wars great, he gets in trouble for. <laughs> and not now, most movies do that all the time now, where you don't see the actual credits till afterwards, especially the superhero ones. Yeah, it says here that Star Wars won six Academy Awards, but it lost Best Picture, Best Director to Annie Hall. <laughs> but it won Best Art Direction, I think Best Costumes, Best Film Editing. So it won a lot of the technical stuff, yeah. Best Visual Effects. Best score, yeah. too. Best score, yeah, John Williams. That'd be another big snub if they didn't win that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And last week we were talking about, like, the directors you would not want to see direct the new Star Wars Episode Seven. I could put Woody Allen on that list. <laughs> that would be pretty horrible. Do you, do you watch Conan O'Brien at all? Uh, Yes. Do you see those skits he has of, like, of different directors doing their version of Star Wars movies? No, I haven't. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, actually, no, I, I got to check that out on YouTube. That's he actually watch. did have one of a Woody Allen. Oh, Star really? Wars. <laughs> Just like R two seems to be on this cheap, their cheap costumes, arguing like one. I think Woody Allen's like R two or something like that. <laughs> so, so what about the um, Wachowski brothers or not the the Wachowskis Wachowski now? <laughs> yeah, Wachowskis. <laughs> How would you feel about them directing uh, the the new Star Wars? Uh, I think they might make it too like, weirder than it has to be, or more confusing than it has to be. <laughs> With the Matrix sequels just getting too complicated or out there, and then I haven't yeah. seen it, but I heard some of that with Cloud Atlas too. Oh, really? Yeah. And like, um, I was I was listening to the Force cast, uh-huh. yeah. and they were saying um, M Night Shyamalan or whatever his name is. <laughs> How'd you feel about that, Tim? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> bad stormtroopers. <laughs> he put some weird twist in there that makes no sense. Think of having a twist, <laughs> like making Vader Luke's father. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that served a purpose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson is the one behind. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's going on, or whatever? <laughs> he didn't die when falling out the window. <laughs> Anyways, maybe we should talk about some Batman instead of bad directors. <laughs> Academy. <laughs> Academy. All right, so next up we have The Dark Knight Rises unreleased one sheets from trailerpark.com. What do you guys think about this? Yeah, they're they're cool looking, but <laughs> there's nothing pretty new or revealing in any of them. It's different poses of Batman and Bane. You see Bane from the back when he's about to fight Batman, telling him about Rachel Ghoul. But the one that caught my eye was the one that just has that says fear it has part of Bane's mask on there which is uh, some of the t-shirts they were given out for the prologue which I guess they had plans not to be a poster but we never actually saw it anywhere so I thought that one was pretty cool because it kind of seemed weird that they gave out the Batman and the Bane one but the only one you ever saw again was the chalk bat symbol showing up again for the promotions but never that Bane Fear logo, so it looks like they did have intentions to use it, but just never did. Yeah, I went on their website here, and it looks like they uh, they did a lot of the po- movie theater posters, like those big banner ones with Batman and Gotham's uh, police squaring off against Bane and his army. And so they probably made, like, hundreds of different posters and different, you know, um, prototypes, and these were probably the coolest ones that didn't get used or... Um, but um, I think they look pretty cool, so they probably put them on there to to get some uh, advertisement. It just says summer 2012. I wonder 
if these were maybe used overseas or in other countries, maybe because there's not a lot of work. It just says rise. It doesn't have a lot of yeah. The fear one on does it. have the date on there, so maybe that one was. It does. Okay. Like yeah. Later on, when they developed it, I still wish I would have gotten that shirt. I only got no. I got two of the Batman ones. <laughs> oh yeah. It would have cool to have one of each, but that's why you go with your brothers or something, man. And I did. You... He got the Batman one too. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but you need to bring your other brother with you too, so he he could have got the the fear shirt. He probably would have got another Batman one. Also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, at least you got to see the the prologue. No one around here was was playing it. <laughs> I shouldn't complain. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Be fortunate, Tim. Yes. No problem. <laughs> I just went on eBay to see what they're going for. They're not even on sale for eBay. No one's parting with those things, so <laughs> they'll never get it. Darn. It. <laughs> yeah. I did get a poster though. That was pretty cool. <laughs> didn't even from the for, from the premiere. Really? Yeah. They, they were handing out posters. I just got like a the Pell badge or something for the trilogy. Really? Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Oh, here, somebody's got it on eBay, but is on eBay, it's different. It's the same image, but on the bottom it says end. End? Hmm. Yeah. It's going for 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm spending $50, I want it to say fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can move on to The Dark Knight Returns Part 2 Blu-ray slash DVD cover and release date. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much the same cover as... Uh, the part one, except it's a different color. It's orange. And um, when is it coming out, Tim? Oh, uh, January 20, 29th, 2013. Yeah. It's actually uh, kind of earlier than I expected. Usually most of their winter movies come out in February, the end of February. Yeah. That was in January. The sooner the better. <laughs> but I have to say I've been pretty disappointed with the covers for both movies. I was kind of hoping they'd use the classic comic covers that Frank Miller did for The Dark Knight Returns. But instead, they just did their own, where this, to me, is not quite as good as the ones Frank Miller had for the actual comics. I was hoping that we'd get that one where you see Batman just hanging on the, the that wire and just lightning going around in the background. That's, like, one of my all-time favorite Batman shots, and I was hoping they'd use that, but just yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually like the, the, the covers. Um, you know, it's it's pretty much iconic Batman, if you, if you really think about it. Yeah, but um, at the same time, I think it's generic, too. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah but this, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, I don't want to complain too much about it, because the movie looks awesome. The first one was awesome, and I could handle a little disappointed cover for it. <laughs> it's so good. So. <laughs> like, the cover sucks, so you're like, no. Not watching the movie it. Sucks. No. <laughs> I bet there are some people out there who think like that. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, the uh, I'm guessing it's the DVD and the Blu-ray. They they come with bonus content, which includes all new featurettes, three classic DC Comics cartoons, which I'm guessing is like the the, the first DVD, which is the um, the the animated series episodes. Yeah, pretty um, much movie has those. <laughs> yeah, uh, digital comic. Again, I'm guessing it's the Dark Knight Returns. Why would you guess that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just have a hunch. <laughs> and a preview of the upcoming animated feature, Superman Unbound. Um, and it's going to be 74 minutes. Which is, I think, two minutes shorter than the Dark Knight Returns. Partly. Oh, that's it. It sucks now. I'm getting two less minutes. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be two minutes of the Superman-Batman fight. That's 
gonna be cut now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tim, for our next um, news piece, um, I think you should take this one since you're such a big uh, animated series fan. Beware the Batman. <laughs> I yeah. believe is what you're getting to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what it was first announced? I think most Batman fans were at least skeptical about it. I know I was, just mainly for the fact of how they described Alfred with those guns. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Look at Katana's face on that first image. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? her face. The 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 one where it has uh, Batman in the front and uh, Alfred is on the right hand side. Okay. <laughs> Look at her face. It's like I don't think her design was fully set yet because <laughs> it looks different from the model they have in those pictures below. It's wide eyes. <laughs> Every single character. But I actually like the character designs they revealed in these new shots. I like how Batman looks, and I think Bruce Wayne looks good too. And as you just mentioned, I, the, the Katana model looks a lot better. <laughs> I really like the Alfred. It's totally different yeah. from what we've seen in TV. It's reminded me a little bit of the Earth One Alfred that Jeff John just did. Maybe not quite as maybe yeah that because he was he was hard on Bruce in that one as far as his training. Maybe not that quite hard, but when it comes to the whole guns thing and maybe him having a military background, it's kind of reminded me of the Earth One Alfred. We'll see if it's. Really like that, or just kind of loosely based off it or something? I guess we'll see. But yeah, and who's um, who's Mister Toad? He was in uh, briefly in the first issue of Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin. I see. He showed up a little bit, but he didn't look like that. <laughs> he was mainly <laughs> he was a little taller, but he was a Toad. <laughs> and it's cool to see Professor Pig getting treated or getting adapted into the a new animated series because they said they're going for more of the. Lesser-known Batman villains, I guess you would say. <laughs> so we'll see how it all turns out. But the only thing I'm still really skeptical is the whole Alfred using guns thing. I still don't see how Batman can be teamed up with him and letting him use guns. So, But I'm still waiting to fully judge this series until we actually see a few episodes. But I'm liking has, how it looks. Has the voice cast been uh, announced? For Batman it has. It was not someone I really heard of, but in that very short clip they had, it sounded okay. He only said, like, maybe two words, but... <laughs> Yeah. It sounded pretty good. Who um who is it? Uh, I can't, can't think of a name right now, but like I said, it was. It's could, it's not Bruce Greenwood, is it? No, it's no one who's done it before. Uh, it's someone new. Oh. But how about you guys? Has it gotten any better view as far as what to expect of it, or are you still kind of skeptical and just waiting to see how it's all going to shape up? Um, I'm very skeptical, but um, I'll wait and see. And the thing is, if it's really bad, I'm not worried because. They'll come out with another Batman cartoon in three or four years. You know, if this was like Aquaman or Flash, or if it was bad, that's it. There's, that's done. It's kind of like the Green Lantern movie. You know, that didn't work out, and it'll be a long time before we ever see Green Lantern again. Yeah. This, I know, if it's not too good, there'll be something new and better in a couple of years. So, you know, I'll just wait and see. It is kind of... The only thing that really jars me is Alfred with the guns there. But I do like the the take of Alfred being, you know, kind of uh, more physically fit and, you know, capable of fighting and taking care of himself. Um, ever since that, um, was it um, Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder with um, uh-huh. Mike Miller? And, you know, that was not the greatest, but I did like there was one scene where Alfred was, like, punching a punching bag and he was, like, physically fit. And I was kind of like... 
yeah, that's cool. Why can't Alfred, you know, kick some ass every once in a while? So this this might be cool, but eh, we'll just wait and see. Yeah, and from in these new shots that they put out, there's little descriptions of each character. And for Alfred, it says that he's under occupation, as almost as butler and former spy. And it says his preferred weapon is a pulse rifle. So maybe it's not going to be actual guns, but when you see that first teaser image where he's holding two guns, it really looks like bullets coming out of it. <laughs> Yeah. Look like a pulse rifle, so hopefully maybe they change it, because I could live with that. <laughs> if it's Rub- a rubber rifle. bullets, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's all they have to do. That was because of the, the shooting, right? They changed it. Yeah, I think you're right. They were talking maybe toning it down a little bit. But even if that wasn't the case, they should have done that in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Flame shooting cane for code. I like that. Sonic croak. <laughs> He's going to give Batman a lot of trouble with that sonic croak. Hopefully he has a bat frog spray repellent to go along with the shark spray repellent. <laughs> but there's still no set premiere date yet. Still just says 2013, which I'm kind of thinking they're waiting to bring back the whole DC Nation thing because, you know, they brought it back for like two episodes of Young Justice and Green Lantern, and that was it. Yeah, what is that? What's, uh, wrong? What's up with that? Oh, it's so stupid. They just pulled it off out of nowhere. Like, all everyone's DVRs, including mine, recorded both. Young Judges of Green Lantern that week, but then when we got How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> yeah, they just pulled it up and says, "Don't worry, fans, your favorite shows are coming back in January. Are you excited?" <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of getting worried that if they did that. There's any those shows that are in jeopardy of being canceled or something, and maybe they're just planning to retool it with Beware the Batman and something else. I hope that's not the case, but because Young Justice and Green Lantern have been awesome so far with the few episodes we got this season, I'd hate to see for it get cut short, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It'd be nice to have three shows instead of two. All right, so with that, Tim and Terrence, the two T's, <laughs> <laughs> we can finally get into our comic reviews. I I think we need to get one more person that's that their name starts with a D. <laughs> so we have two D's, two D's, or two T's, two D's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you haven't read any of the comics, you might want to come back to this later, because we're going to spoil the crap out of them. Right, Tim? Yes, we are. Page for page, word for word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you haven't read any of these and you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to come back to this when you, after you read the comics. Um, but for November 7th, we have Detective Comics number 14, and Bowing number 14. Uh, for no- November 14th, we have Batman and Robin number 14, Suicide Squad number 14, Batgirl number 14, and Batman number 14. Um, and our rating scale this week is going to be Oscars, The Dark Knight Rises won't win. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so for no- November 7th, Tim. Yes. Where do you want to start us off at? Let's start with Detective, I guess. Okay. So I didn't read this one because my comic shop forgot to give it to me. It takes a lot. <laughs> uh, you got to check on the racks instead of just going by your polls. I know. <laughs> Pull it more effort right. to buy in your comics. Come on. <laughs> but I've been going there all of my life, <laughs> pretty much all my life, and they should know me by now. <laughs> no, you asked the Marvel guy, right? <laughs> yeah, the Marvel guy. The, the guy that needs Thor in his life for some reason. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Detective Comics number 14. I mean, I think we all agree with for number 13, Detective was finally headed in the right direction. It was a fun story. And sad to say, I think number 14 disappointed me a little bit because of how, 13, how good 13 was. And then this one really went off into a different direction. 
where I was kind of hoping for it would continue on with the story from the first part of this story arc was Penguin uh, putting his name instead of Bruce's mother on this new foundation. But instead, we got going to the story with Poison Ivy, where it's kind of Bruce is just letting that whole situation with Penguin and those assassins he's had go. He's not really going to do anything about it, because instead it starts off with uh, him being captured by Poison Ivy. It's like there's, there's some flashback sequences leading up until how he actually um, gets captured by Poison Ivy first. And then we get him and Damien talking about the reason why he's doing that. It's basically Poison Ivy's destroying like these different like factories and some chemical factories that were causing uh, the city pollution and all that. And they're actually not necessarily owned by well, they actually are owned by Oswald Cobblepot, so Damien's telling Batman, why are you going to stop Poison Ivy when she's taking down these factories that the Penguin owns, and after what he did to you, you think you would just let her do that? But he's going the whole usual superhero route. She's putting people in danger. I have to stop her. It's the right thing to do. But to me, I just wish it would have followed more on the whole Penguin story. As, as much as we would have said that we're sick of seeing the Penguin in comics, the first part of the story out in issue number 13, it was actually a good story for the Penguin to be in and and to have a deviate for that into another Poison Ivy story. Kind of getting a bad feeling where I hope it doesn't turn into how the Dark Knight was in the first few issues where it's just a different villain popping up each with each issue in the story arc where you're going to lose focus on what the main point of it is. Because at the end of this one, Clayface shows up after Batman has uh, went toe-to-toe with Poison Ivy and she escaped. He has to go against Clayface. So it just has me worried we're getting to Dark Knight territory where it's just going to be like a villain for each issue that's not going to amount to anything much except for a cameo appearance. So I was a little disappointed with that. just wish it got... It goes back to the whole focus of the story with Batman and Bruce Wayne and the Penguin. So for me, I'm probably going to give it... I mean, it wasn't bad as far as... I was bored reading it. I'm just worried with the direction it's going. So it's pretty average. So I'm probably going to give it two and a half Oscars that Dark Knight Rises won't win. Hope it turns around again for the future issues because it started off on such a great point with issue number 13. Yeah, but let's face it, they didn't have to try that hard. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really enjoyable. It was a different story that was just fun to read. It was a nice change of pace in the Batman comic. And to see it go this way was disappointing. (laughs) All right. um, Terry McGinnis. <laughs> you gotta change your name to McGinnis now, Terrence. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, you have no idea when when that came out and it was like he's Terry. I'm like he's got the same name as me. I'm mean, got the same name as Batman because all those years people say Terry's a girl's name. It's like finally no, Terry's the name of Batman. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, then it was like I thought he was Bruce. It's not anymore. <laughs> but um, I completely disagree with Tim here. So too bad um, you didn't read it, Dane. You could have been the tiebreaker. I love this issue. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the art was great. Um, the Penguin story, I liked how they kind of only spent, I think it's only spent about five or six pages on it in the beginning. Uh, they didn't, like, draw it out. There's still the question of those assassins with Bruce Wayne, but the whole Penguin part and all that was kind of drummed up. And then they had you know, the penguin take down the assassin. So it looked like he saved Bruce Wayne, which I thought was kind of a interesting twist. And um, I thought the artwork with Poison Ivy was really good and interesting. And I liked how the, the story was told 
out of order sequentially. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Pulp Fiction or some of that um, storytelling where something happens and then they go to the future, then they go to the past, but it kind of, it's not, it wasn't jarring. It was kind of like, oh, well, that's where that is. And then um, the ending with Clayface, I was kind of, well, it's kind of, it's the ending, but then it's not really the ending because then they go back to show you how Poison Ivy um, broke Clayface out of Arkham. Um, And so, uh, you know, and that's done by a different artist that was done by um, Andy Clark, which um, I thought, I thought all that was awesome. I thought the breakout was really good and um, how she kind of manipulated everybody to get them out and make them forget. And her, um, it was kind of her inner monologue, her thoughts about Arkham and how she felt all about Arkham and, um, what it was like being there. And I just, I enjoyed this issue a lot. So I, um, unfortunately disagree with you, Tim, but I'm going to give this, I'll give it four and a half Oscars that the dark Knight rises will not win out of five. Wow. <laughs> but I, I really liked it. Yeah. It was one of my favorites. So cool. well, we've hardly, at least in a while, have big uh, disagreements as far as our scores of comics this year, so it makes for good discussion. So. Yeah, that's why it would have been interesting if Dane's uh, comic book shop hadn't, you know, hit it on him. Yeah, really. <laughs> we could have had a tiebreaker. <laughs> it's all their fault. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, um, I think I agree with you. I think I like the backup story better than the main actual issue. Because, <laughs> like you said, it was pretty cool seeing Poison Ivy use all her powers to get inside Arkham. Um, yeah, and I liked her inner monologue, her thoughts about Arkham, and yeah. it's like, really felt like, all right, this is a person who's lived here. She knows it from the inside. So it was kind of really uh, engrossed you in the story, and so I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I am curious to see what her whole involvement is with Clayface. My just thing is, I just maybe this could have been maybe the whole Penguin, Batman, or Bruce Wayne arc that they started with issue 13. Maybe they just could have wrapped it up in a two-part story and then maybe go on to this Poison Ivy Clayface thing. Because it seemed like that whole Penguin thing is still unresolved. I would kind of like to see what Batman was going to do against Penguin for doing that and putting his name instead of his mother on and to kind of prove that what he's doing was wrong and he was behind the whole assassination attempt. So it just seems like they're getting away from that for now and then moving on to something different with Poison Ivy. We'll see in the next issue what happens. But I think it would, for me anyway, it would be better if they wrap that up and then go onto this whole Poison Ivy Clayface thing. Yeah, I guess it'll see how the other issues play out if they don't bring that up again or it takes a long, drawn-out process to wrap that up. I might look back on this a little differently, but if they kind of – the next couple issues are pretty cool and they wrap that up, it might might um, not seem like this issue was so jarring by not wrapping it up in one issue. Yeah, but we shall see. <laughs> yeah. You're a school teacher, right, uh, Terrence? Yeah, I teach uh, sixth-grade social studies. Okay, okay sixth grade. Um so, so kind of younger, right? So, I think, um, I think on Monday you should go into your classroom and you should be like, kids, from now on you gotta call me um, Mr. McGinnis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ask me what I do at night, <laughs> you know, or why why I might have mysterious bruises. <laughs> All right, um, Batwing number fourteen. I'm gonna do just like a short view because. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. I think that should be um, enough for this issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... Uh, I kind of cared about it, cared about this story with issue number 13, but uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's just wearing on me. And I'm just not really digging it with the whole cult thing and Don being someone that Terry knew when, when he was at the orphanage with uh, Matuba, which, David. by the way... <laughs> Huh? I think you said Terry. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, it did? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, I find that that whole part, that, that whole stuff with David at the orphanage, um, knowing Don was really not done really well. Yeah, I, ju- I just didn't like this story overall. Um, I'm kind of waiting for it to be done already. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the new writer on Batwing because I think this is still a Judd Winnick story. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just waiting for the new writer at this point. Um, so I'm going to give this... Um, oh, one more thing. The, the art was pretty good, though, in this issue. Uh, so I'm going to give this, like, I don't know, a one and a half... Yeah, one and a half out of five Oscars the Dark Knight Rises won't win. Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with you there. <laughs> this whole thing was a whole cult story arc. Not really doing anything for me either. And it was, I guess, good to see a little background story with David and uh, Don. I believe that's her name, right? <laughs> I don't know why I just <laughs> threw a blank right there for a second. Don or Rachel. Her real name's Rachel. Yeah. 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 yeah no. Which, by the way, not very original. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Dawes instead of John. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, at least we got some background information as to her. She kind of just popped up in the last issue. And then I guess the only thing good going for her was I didn't see the the surprise ending, I guess, with her getting stabbed uh, by the villain. Who's See, this is how much I remember the issue. I can't remember any of the characters' names. Yeah. <laughs> Father's Father Lost. Father Lost. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have uh, reflipped through this one again. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm kind of like what you said, Dave. I'm almost going to give Batwing another, just maybe one more arc with the new writer before I maybe end up dropping it. Because ever since the first story arc was his brother Massacre, there hasn't been anything even remotely close to how good that was. Right. And I just, like you said, hoping the new writer that comes on does something good. And it seems like it has the possibility to, because it's supposed to be about him going up against the correct police force he works for. So I think story-wise it has the potential to be something good, but we'll have to wait and see. So for this one, I'll probably just give it two Oscars that The Dark Knight Rises won't win out of five. Right. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'd probably give it, like, maybe one Oscar that they wouldn't win. The artwork was decent. The story was just completely uninteresting. It wasn't even that bad. It was just uninteresting. Yeah. It was just like, okay, when I, I got about halfway through the book, I said to myself, why do I still read this book? And then, you know, I just kind of finished it up and put it away and probably will never think about it again. So, I did like that. One interrogation sequence where he picked up that general who I used to work with, uh, I guess with a child with Don, and then he just lifts her up and starts asking her questions high up in the air. <laughs> See, I wondered that one too. Like, why did why did he just do grab her out of nowhere and lift her up? Like, why didn't we need to start talking to her first? You know, like her. See, I thought that was a little weird, but maybe to scare her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get her to talk right away. Yeah, yeah. his I'm way of being inter- like the real Batman, I guess. <laughs> <He's> yeah. Like, <laughs> I want the information, and I want you to wet your pants. So, yeah. <laughs> and then there, there was one other book from that week. It wasn't on the the notes, but um, World's Finest Six. Did any of you guys read that one? No, I think I said I don't know. Yeah, Is I, either. I, I, I got it. <laughs> that was okay. one of the comics I did get. But okay, I, I didn't really. 
On purpose or on accident? <laughs> Probably on accident, but whatever. It was actually pretty good. I, You know, I'll just say quick that, you know, I won't get into too much detail, but it was kind of basically Damien up against the Huntress, and the Huntress is the um, Batman's daughter from World 2. Yeah. So it was like the two kids of Batman, and um, Damien was kind of starting a piece together that she seemed kind of familiar and she had been stealing money from the Wayne Enterprises to fund her operation. And um, then at the end, it kind of ends with her saying, all right, well, I'll tell you the whole story. I'll tell you what's up. So it is kind of interesting to see how that will play out with the rest of the Batman universe, if she'll become like part of it or not or or how that will go. But um, actually, I thought it was a pretty good – I've liked this series since it's come out. I thought it was a pretty good series. So um, I'd give it three – Oscar is the Dark Knight won't win. <laughs> well, the premise of that one sounds pretty interesting <laughs> with Damien and Huntress. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's definitely worth a read if you're ever looking for something to read. It's I'd recommend this series to um, to anybody who likes Batman. It's been pretty good. How's the art? Um, because I, I I was looking at that cover and I don't know, that cover didn't look too good. <laughs> the art is good, except the cover I couldn't stand because the cover makes Damien look like a girl. Like, it's drawn like a girl. <laughs> and because in the world, uh, Earth 2, the Huntress was the was a Robin. So she she was like female Robin. And the first time I saw it, I thought that was her. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's Damien. But other than the cover, the art's been pretty good. It's, it's actually two artists. George Perez does it. And then... Um, Kevin Maguire does it and either they'll either flip and like one will do one book and then one will do the other book or one will do the um, like George Perez will do this, the scenes from um, today and then Kevin Maguire will do like their flashbacks to Earth 2 when they were Supergirl and Robin. So um, aside from the cover, the, the art's actually been pretty decent. <laughs> That's good. Um, but anyways, uh, for November 14th, we have Batman and Robin number 14, Suicide Squad number 14, Batgirl number 14, and Batman number 14. Um, Terrence, where do you want to start us off at? Um, let's, let's go with the big one, Batman 14. Okay. Yeah, you know, this one is probably the most anticipated book I've had all month. You know, this is the one I was waiting for, and I couldn't wait for it, and I downloaded it digitally as soon as I could. And it was kind of weird, because as I was reading it, I thought it was amazing. I was like you know, spellbound and, and engrossed in it and couldn't wait for each, you know, twist and turn. And then when I got done with it, I was kind of disappointed because I was kind of like, well, that's it. Whereas, you know, I, I, I felt there would be more story to it or more revelation um, than what was in it. But it was, it just kind of, you know, if, if this was probably the trade paperback, I wouldn't even think twice. I'd just go to the next issue. But now that I have to wait a month for, um, more stuff to to fall into place and find out what's going to happen. It's kind of, um, I, I must say, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more to the story, but um, I'm I'm kind of hooked. I can't wait now till number fifteen comes out. So, um, but um, I, you know, the artwork is amazing, um, and um, I, the I, the background, the the backup story was interesting. It was kind of like, oh, here's the penguin again. But um, Jock draws the penguin so awesome. I was, like, happy to see him. And um, I think my, it's kind of weird, but my, my favorite part was, like, the Joker leaves 
Bruce a, a, a cassette tape. <laughs> like it's like like he made him. He loves him so much. He made him a mixtape. You know, from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know. I, so um, yeah. I you know overall, I'd I'd give it four Oscars that the Dark Knight will win. Maybe even four and a half. And I just I can't wait for number fifteen to come out. So, what'd you guys think? I thought it was good. Like all the other issues, I think Snyder is, you know, continuing to do what he does best, you know, which is write an awesome and creepy Batman story. And especially, like, the dialogue in this um, in this issue, I mean, it, it's amazing, especially the, the the last scene between Batman and the Joker and, you know, the, the conversation between Bruce and Dick. Um, and, you know, more than anything, it's, it's Bruce's inner monologue when he's talking about... Um, you know, how he would always check in with Alfred and stuff, and how it yeah. really was more for him, for, for Bruce, than it was for Alfred. Um, I thought that, you know, last issue's cliffhanger, you know, was, was resolved really nicely. And, you know, I, 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 I really like the scene where Bruce, you know, goes home and finds out that Alfred is gone, and, you know, he listens to the tape. There's, I don't know, the, there's a real sense of loneliness, and, you know, it, it only gets worse, you know, when when Bruce visits Gordon and, you know, Gordon is really freaked out and paranoid and, you know, he ends up in the hospital, you know, when he starts bleeding. Uh, and that was, that was another creepy scene. <laughs> that was yeah. like, creepy and gross. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's just pouring blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that whole scene was freaky. Um, you know, it was all dark and shadowy and stuff. But um, I also like the scene with, with, with Dick and, you know, how he goes and helps Batman to, to try and outsmart the Joker. Um, I mean, for one thing, it's always great to see Bruce and Dick working together, even if Dick gets blown up at the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but more than anything, I really like that last scene, um, especially the, the, the Joker's dialogue and how Snatter, you know, built up to that scene and how it has the setting of a Batman Joker story we've seen before, but it's, but it's different. And the Joker looks and feels different. Um, and you know, overall, I think it was, it was almost the perfect scene. Um, but I do have to admit that, you know, during the first half of the issue, I was like, okay, um, it's getting a little long winded here. And where's the matter going with this, with this story, especially, you know, after that last issue where we got a lot of build-up. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I was expecting some payoff, you know, something big to happen in this issue. But I think, you know, Snyder makes up for it in the end, um, you know, with that whole Batman Joker scene. Um, yeah, and I just want to know what Bruce will do to kill the Bat the Bat family. I, I just thought that was a weird twist, and I didn't expect that coming. Yeah. To come. But um yeah, I also like the art. You know, we get to see more of Capul's Joker, which was which makes it better than the last issue where we only see Joker in that last page. Um and yeah, I really like that um that scene in Gordon's apartment where he's all, you know, paranoid and starts blading like crazy and stuff. So so overall it was another awesome awesome issue by, by Scott Snyder. So I'm probably gonna give this four uh Four Oscars, the the Dark Knight Rises, one win out of five. Cool, and I just wanted to add, you know, the um for me the two creepiest things in this whole run so far, the two things you haven't seen, 
that first you know issue where the Joker's in the police station and it's like a blackout and you just hear the people <laughs> screaming, and then this one Alfred's like voice on the tape. You don't see anything with Alfred. He's like, you know, a blindfold isn't going to work or something. It's like that's not a blindfold. I you know I burned your eyes out with ammonia and yeah. stuff. <laughs> like it's it's so creepy and so freaky and you you don't even see it. You just hear it. So you know, Scott Snyder's a master of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking that's part of the problem because, like, I was expecting, like, something big to happen or I, I was expecting something else besides the the Batman-Joker confrontation on that on that bridge or whatever that is. But um, but I guess it was um, Dick getting blown up. See, with the Joker, you always got to expect the unexpected. So what you right, are expecting. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's all part of the master plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are both way underscoring this issue. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I mean, word for word, page to page, I was just engrossed in it all the way through. I mean, just from the opening sequence with Batman yelling at Harley, just the fact that what they were trying to do to Batman there, to, as Harley says, maybe you'll turn out to be a better new Joker, kind of put him in the same chemical toxin that created the Joker. And then it just that one shot there where Batman has that mask on, he's in the chemicals, it just looks, he looks awesome in that mask. At least to say the artwork throughout the issue was good or great, as you guys said. But probably my favorite sequence in this issue, like you said, Dane, the dialogue, I think, is what made this issue so great for me. Especially the one, probably my favorite was with Dick and, uh, or Nightwing and Batman talking with Alfred. I mean, not Alfred, but with Gordon in the in the hospital bed. And they're talking, as Dick called it, called Batman doing in code, say Mr. Pennyworth and Bruce Wayne's butler. And at first I was kind of, as I was reading going, why is Batman doing that with Dick? Well, obviously, he just wants to make sure if Gordon is able to hear, he's keeping that secret. But then Dick just goes on and tells him, why are you doing that? This is Alfred we're talking about. That. Like, screw the code talk. Just call him Alfred. This is, like, the person who raised you and all that. I just thought it was a great dynamic between the two. And just how so concerned they are about Alfred, knowing that he is in the hands of the Joker. Like you said, Terrence, just hearing those recordings of him on the tape and what the Joker was doing to him, which is, like he said, real creepy and just made you really uh, appreciate the concern that Dick and Batman had for Alfred in the situation and how Batman didn't even want to tell the rest of the Bat family members, knowing what they'll probably do. They'll probably just go out all on their own to try to get Alfred. He's kind of like struggling how to handle the situation. It's like, the, what's the best way to go about getting the Joker? And then I just love the end of sequence, too, with the conversation Joker has with Batman and just the fact that he's always somehow one step ahead of him where Batman suspects what he's going to do, so he has Nightwing go up to that to that bridge, but then Joker knew he was going to be there too, so he blows it up. Always staying that one step ahead of him. I also like those new weapons Joker had with those uh, laughing teeth that <laughs> came out under the bridge and just tied Batman up. I thought that was yeah. a nice touch. Like his version of his battering that rope. <laughs> I just, throughout the whole issue, you're going, oh, does he really know who Batman is? And then Batman kind of denies it at first, saying he's trying to throw this big event and he wants Alfred to be the butler of it. And what big, what other big name butler would he get than Bruce Wayne's butler? So he thinks that's the reason why Joker went out to get Alfred, not because he knew it was Bruce Wayne, but just because he's probably the most famous butler in Gotham. And that, since Bruce Wayne isn't tied to Batman Incorporated, so. But then I just love how at the end, Joker does say to everyone that he knows who everyone is, and that's his reason for going after him, because they're making Batman weak, and he wants to pretty much go back to how things were before, where it's just him versus Batman, as he likes to put he's the king of the kingdom and he's the jester and there everyone else is weakening him. And at the same time, Bruce still doesn't believe he knows who everyone is and he brings out that 
book he got from him. He said he learned that secret from that book that he had that's made out of a skin of a bat. And, of course, Bruce denies it. But I, I personally think Joker knows who they are because he seems like with some of the tie-ins, at least one of them anyways, he's going to go after each one personally, not just knowing just from not going after him just as heroes, but going to go after, like, some, someone close to him, and then personally, like, he's going to do with Barbara Gordon. So, yeah, just it was just awesome. I mean, just the dialogue was great. Therese kind of did a great job of it. The atmosphere of the book is really creepy. I mean, to me, it was a, almost a perfect issue. I think I even mentioned it on Twitter that it was actually probably my favorite Scott Snyder story he's written so far. And now I can say I can join you, Terrence, and also PJ, where Scott Snyder actually responded to one of my tweets. So oh, <laughs> that cool. Made my day. Yeah. He actually sent me a direct message, and since he doesn't follow me, I couldn't reply back to him. That was the only down part about it, but it was just cool to say say thanks to for glad that I enjoyed it as well. It was cool. Cool. So, yeah, overall, I'm, this storyline so far has been everything I hoped it would be, and I think it's going to continue to be great. So I'm going to give it the whole Best Picture nominations, 10 Oscars. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, mean, I loved it, so I just can't wait for the next issue. All right. Um, so I guess we can move on to. Um, or here, I'll do Suicide Squad really fast because um, that was one of the comics I did get for some reason. Yeah. Even though I usually don't get it. Same here, um, but since it's a tie, like, you know, I want to see more Jokers, I'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you read it too? Tim? Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. I read Suicide um, Squad too, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so my review is going to be really short <laughs> for to you guys because I don't know what's going on in Suicide Squad. Well, neither have I because I haven't read in a few issues. I just got this one because I'm oh. tired. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like the Joker parts. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on with that that shark guy and <laughs> Amanda Waller, but um, yeah, I I really liked um, the the Joker parts, um, especially that first scene where he makes it acid rain and everybody goes down except for Harley because she's immune. And like that, that whole scene where, where he's beating her up, you know, he's punching her in the face, kicking her and, um, putting that razor blade in her mouth. I just thought that all that was 100% Joker. And that's the Joker I want to see, even though it was kind of hard to, to read. That's, that scene was amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really like the issue. <laughs> That's all I can say about it because I, I, I feel weird commenting about the, the actual story part, which was the, it seemed like Amanda Waller had some people that she wanted to interrogate. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, I, I liked it a lot. Um, and I liked how it, it led into uh, Snyder's Joker story. Yeah, so, so I liked it. And I'm probably going to give it a... Uh, Three and a half out of five Oscars, The Dark Knight Rises won't win. And um, I have to say that the guy who does the art, I think it's Ed Bennis, he draws a really good Joker, really creepy Joker, kind of like uh, Capullo's. So, yeah, th- three and a half out of five for me. In uh, this issue, the artist was Fernando Dagenino, oh, I think it was. Yeah, as, as, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Dagenino. Um, I think Ed Bennis has been doing Batgirl, right? Has he been... Oh, yeah, that's right. I yeah. must have got the books mixed up. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, I'll be quick with this one, too. I've been reading Suicide Squad since issue number one, um, and it's been pretty good. It's it's a solid book. It's not outstanding, uh, but I thought this was really good. I, the only thing I wish I wish they would have put, like, on the first 
panel or something like this takes place before Batman 13 because um, I was a little confused in the beginning like well when is this happening is you know but then once I figured out like oh this is how Harley got you know involved in Batman 13 uh, then I thought it was pretty awesome and you know the Joker stuff is ultra violent but it kind of ties into when Harley Quinn is kind of like in Batman 13 and 14 like he's not my Joker anymore he's you know Mr. J is not the same um and, but it reminded me a lot too of Mad Love, where where Joker like is just yeah. a really abusive to Harley Quinn and throws her out the window, and you know like no matter what he does to her, she'll come back. And um, the Suicide Squad stuff, I thought it was pretty good how they handled it because if you did not read Suicide Squad, it was not just like a like a throwaway. Like um, sometimes they throw these books in, and you're like, all right, well I didn't need to read this. You know, if if you did not read Suicide Squad, I thought there was enough in here with the Joker and Harley Quinn that would, you know, keep you interested in the death in the family storyline. And they kind of tried to touch on all the little plot points of Suicide Squad. So I guess it's, you know, trying to get people intrigued so that they'll, you know, keep reading it or go get the back issues or um, whatnot. So they really, in the overall Suicide Squad story arc, there really wasn't much movement in that story. It was more just like, let's touch on everybody real quick and kind of give everybody a preview who, are, is buying this book just because it's a tie-in to the death in the family and maybe they'll want to read it. And then the ending with the Joker kind of tying Harley Quinn's, you know, almost in a chain-link noose um, is kind of intriguing. All right, where is this going now? So, um, yeah, I, I, I would give it uh, four Oscars that the Dark Knight will not win out of five. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you guys. I thought the Joker was great in this one. It kind of reminded me, like you said, Terrence, a little a mixture of Mad Love, and then also the, the Heath Ledger Joker with the razor blade that he had, and kind of put it in Harley's mouth, kind of how Joker did in The Dark Knight. And just how twisted he is of tormenting Harley, of going, threatening to kill someone, but he actually turns out to be Deadshot, who supposedly is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, he'll probably come back, but just the fact that he, it's a dead body, and he's gonna like just mess with that instead of actually killing someone who was alive. But from well, what you said, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, and part of that, I don't know, because you guys haven't read Suicide Squad. It was yeah. really twisted. And one of the issues, um, Harley leaves the squad and, and creates all this havoc in Gotham to try to steal the Joker face. And then she yeah. puts it on dead mask, uh, dead shots mask, and then tries to have sex with him while he's wearing the mask. And uh, yeah, so it's really twisted. So that's why later on, when he's like, you know, I could, I knew you, my the mask. I mean, I knew the uh, face smelled like bubble gum, and he's gonna slash up dead shots corpse. It, it ties into some other stuff that happened in the in the book. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think I've, I've got a few for the first issues for Suicide Squad, but I remember her getting the mask back, breaking into Arkham and getting it back, but I think that was kind of where I stopped with it. Okay, yeah. So, it, was, it was a very twisted thing. Yeah. But um, going back to the art of the Joker, it wasn't bad, but, I mean, when you're going up against what Jock's doing and Greg Capullo's Joker and Batman, uh, I just don't think this one was quite up to that level of it. There's something that I noticed while I was reading it. Just, I mean, the way that Joker has that his skin mask, uh, tied around his face just works so much better in Batman, I thought. I mean, it's not bad or anything, but, I don't know, for some reason it didn't look as good as the other ones to me. But that was a minor complaint, But because overall the sequences with the Joker and Harley I thought were great. And like you said, Darren's curious to see what happens next with Harley at the end, where Joker ties her up with that chain over her neck, so. 
And the only thing I do remember from past Suicide Squad issues that seems still to be going on was uh, King Shark and Yo-Yo, because I remember King Shark <laughs> actually eating Yo-Yo, and he's been tracked inside his mouth for a while. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it looks like he actually did get out. <laughs> yeah. So but, um, that was the only reference for the Suicide Squad members that I remember happening while reading this issue. But I kind of skimmed through the rest of it, because since I haven't read it in a while, wasn't really too interested to seeing what the other team members were doing. And there were some new ones that I didn't remember before. So I guess that's an overall issue as a whole. I'd probably give it three Oscars that the Dark Knight Rises won't win. Joker stuff was awesome, but really wasn't too interested in the normal Suicide Squad story. You know, looking through it real quick here, um, your your comment on the Joker's face, it may have been like the colorist, because it seems like the white, of the Joker's face goes all the way up to the top and all the way around where at Greg Capullo's it's like the mask is like peeling on the side true, and you yeah. can see the Good flesh point. and you can see the muscles underneath, which I like. I mean, that's, it's really like horror filmy creepy. Um, so, and this is more just like pulled stretched and not as disgusting. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, that could be it. Cause like you said, now I'm doing the same thing, like flipping through it. I do see what you're talking about with the whole white covering his whole face, but it does get a more creepier feel the ways. Uh, Greg Capullo and Jock were doing it. Yeah. Okay, so Batman and Robin, number 14. Uh, Tim. Yes. Why don't you tackle that for us? <laughs> well, this issue was, I think, the exact opposite of Batman and Robin, number 13, because number 13 started off really good for the whole sequence between Bruce and Damien and that satellite. And then from then on, this went into a boring story of zombies <laughs> attacking Gotham. And with this issue, that's how this one started dealing with that whole story point, but then I really liked how it ended with another good moment between Bruce and Damien. But what I didn't see coming to this issue was how, and it did actually make the whole zombie thing a little bit better for me, was that somehow it was tied into one of Joker's schemes that we don't know exactly what it is going to be, how much it's going to have to deal with the death of the family, but he was behind this whole thing, as we Batman discovered and he found out with one of those teeth with a Joker recording on there. So, But the main thing I really liked about it was the end sequence where Bruce is still kind of questioning Damien's attitude throughout this whole thing of him being Robin, still worried about the only person he cares about is himself. But then there's a pretty cool moment where Damien does tell him that he actually does care, and then he drops down one of the pearls from his mother's necklace from when his parents were murdered onto the table, and Bruce looks at it, and then he just kneels down and gives Damien a hug and says that he's proud of him. I thought that was a cool moment, but when I first read it, I was going, when did this happen, or why was Damien actually going around for this pearl? But then I, re- I remembered that whole sequence in the sewers for Batman around the number one, and that's where all that started. They were pretty much having that conversation where Bruce thinks he only cares about himself and Damien's is showing qualities that, that that's true in that whole sequence of Batman and not Robin number one, not caring about his grandparents and everything that Bruce stood for. I don't really get how, like, a pearl can last that long <laughs> in a sewer. <laughs> well, that goes back to, to that issue number 13. It's, that finally explains what, what he was doing in that sewer anyway. I always just thought he was looking for something on these zombies that are attacking or maybe the Joker. Right. Now, he had, like, that scanner device that I guess he was using to search for the pearls and he was able to find one. So even though I had to do a little more research to refresh my memory as to the significance of that, I thought it paid off pretty good for a nice moment between that yeah, and Damien. But, it was a great callback. Yeah. But the overall the whole zombie thing was, wasn't was interesting to me as much as it was in the last issue. But I thought it was kind of cool to tie it in with the whole Joker thing. If it does lead into anything with that story, we'll see. 
So I'd probably give it uh, two and a half Oscars at the Dark Knight Rises won't win. Still had that little filler fill to me, even though it <laughs> did end up tying into the Death of the Family somewhat. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you too. Um, you know, now that we know that the zombie story is part of the Death of the Family crossover, kind of. Um, yeah, the, this this whole zombie thing was a was pretty much filler, and they it, it kind of feels like they found out a way to tie what they the, this filler story with what they with um the death of a family crossover. Um, but like you, I kind of didn't care about what was going on with this with this generic cult and stuff. Yeah, again with um, the cults, we had too many. Cults yeah, it's in another cult. <laughs> <laughs> generic cults. Um, but I thought the action scenes were pretty good. You know, it's. Especially that that one scene where Damien rescues those kidnapped people and takes them on the on that train, that underground train, mm. um, you know. But but as for the actual story with those zombie cannibal guys, I I could have done without it. Um, you know, I, I kind of wish Tomasi thought up a different story to tie into the whole death death of the family story. But now that that's over, maybe the next death of the, death of of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Time will be better. Yeah, it seems like it definitely will because at the end of the issue it does say next death of the family. So. Yeah, hopefully it'll be better. But um, like you, Tim, I I really like the last part between Damien and Bruce, where you know it's the same old argument where Bruce yells at Damien for not listening to him, and how he doesn't think Damien Damien is right for the Robin job. Um, but you know the the arguing stops when Damien shows Bruce the pearl that he, that he found uh, in in the sewer, and they hug at the end. And and also the the, the mention of Jason's Robin costume being a reminder yeah. was also a nice touch. And like I said, that that whole pearl thing was a nice callback to previous issues of of Batman and Robin, and it was just a really nice way to end that filler story, I guess, to, to, to make it a little bit better. Yeah, so really all you need to do is read the first uh, few pages of issue number 13 and the last few pages of issue number 14, and you'll be good. Right, right. But I didn't like Patrick Gleason's art. I thought it looked rushed. And, you know, that other guy who filled in, you know, a couple of pages was worse than Gleason's art. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, this one had me split down the middle pretty much. Um this entire issue. So I'm going to give this, like you, Tim, I'm going to give this two and a half Oscars, the, the Dark Hat Rising won't win out of five. So Terrence, Terry McGinnis. Yes. I pretty much agree with you, what you guys said. Um, and the only thing I would add to it is I thought it was a little weird or a little jarring, I should say, Jason Todd's Robin suit where it's like the, the new 52 version. And it's kind of, <laughs> kind of weird to see that in the Batcave. Um, and it kind of doesn't hold as much like wow factor as it used to now that he's come back to life. So I don't know if that's a setup for Jason Todd being killed or I don't know if they're trying to make you think with that cover and everything. It will be Jason Todd and it'll be somebody else. But, um, you know, I, I would give this issue probably two Oscars. The Dark Knight Rises wouldn't, won't win out of five. Uh, and I think you guys pretty much summed it up everything I thought about it. The only other question I think I have was that. I guess the main leader of this cult, he had uh, a red hood mask on, kind of like how Joker's red hood did. So I'm wondering, was that actually the Joker who was in charge of, who was actually there for this whole thing? 
Or was that just someone he stuck a Red Hood helmet on and just used him for that? Because hmm. it seemed like he was trying to show that it was, to make the point that it was the Red Hood helmet. I guess for, to show some significance of that, but we'll see if they even ever explain it. Yeah. Alright, so the only comic we have left is Batgirl number 14. And do you guys mind if I take this one? That's all you? Go for it. Okay. I actually like this issue. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I I like the fact that it seems like Barbara's life has been turned upside down, and that it may have an effect on everything that's to come in this book after the death of death of the family crossover. And I hope it really does stick. I hope you know Babs leaves her roommate and her cat and all that stuff behind, becomes a new person. Um, you know, I. I really like the first part where it seems like there's a fire in Babs. You know, she has a mission. She's taking charge despite her fears. Um, and, you know, she's going to get things done. Um, you know, I I love that. And I want to see more of that. And hopefully we will see more of that. And, um, you know, the best part of that first scene in Barbara's apartment is, is that it's sad. You know, um, well, the best part of that scene is that it's sad. You know, when she's... She has to say goodbye to her life, even though there there is insecurity uh, for a second. You know, when she thinks about when she got shot uh, and stuff like that, she gets over that, and you know, she's she's a strong character for it. And but more than anything, it seems like Babs as a character is moving beyond all that all that stuff, all those feelings and stuff like that, and it's becoming a strong character and a more I than a viable one. And, you know, if all those previous stories with this insecure and boring and repetitive Babs, you know, has been building up to this, and Gail Simone maintains this character and adds more onto it, then I can forgive all those crap stories she told previously, and I think it could possibly be one of the better Bat books on the shelves for me. But even though Babs, you know, kind of reverts back to old Babs, you know, it, it... it finally fits into the story and makes sense because she's going after the person who crippled her and left her emotionally scarred. And, you know, her reaction to seeing her mother's finger and, you know, the the wedding ring is totally justified because, I mean, it's it's pretty shocking if the guy who crippled you kidnapped your mother and cut off her finger and proposed to you at the end. You know, and and that was a twist I didn't expect coming. I mean, it's, it it seems so unlike the Joker, but I guess it plays to his unpredictability. I just don't know where this story could go, but but not in a bad way, um, because I'm hoping Gil Simone thinks up something awesome, but I'm not holding my breath for that. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing I'm kind of confused by is the phone call from James Jr. Uh, it it just seemed out of place in this issue, and it and it kind of tacked on and kind of predictable because I kind of knew it was James Jr. But, um, you know, I want to see more of James Jr., but not like this, not when he's, like, tacked on like this. And including him in this story in that way is kind of unnecessary. Other than that, I totally love this issue. And I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> uh, I, I I really like the story, and I really like the art, and I really liked how it tied into the the death of the family crossover. Um, and yeah, I I loved everything about this issue. So four out of five Oscars, the Dark Knight Rises won't get out of five. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like this 
and Aunt Barbara turned a corner, and hopefully she will not go back because this this back girl was pretty cool, um, and just um, you know she definitely was a harder edge where she's like standing on that one Joker um, his sidekicks or not sidekick, but his lackey's leg, her, you know his leg, and she's just like standing on it to get information out. It was really a different side uh, that we hadn't seen, and. Um, yeah, like you, I kind of knew that was her brother on the phone, but I'm still intrigued. Like, what is his um, angle here? What what is how much does he know? How does he know where the mother is? You know, uh, what's his role in all? Is he working with the Joker? Is he just spying on the Joker? And then the ending, I did not see that coming. I, you know, they they did a close up of the hand and it was bloody in a bandage, and I was like, well, did she hurt her hand or something? I didn't catch. I was trying to remember that, and then the end with the finger, I was like, oh, man, that's twisted. Um, and I thought the joke, the art was great. You know, Ed Benz can draw um, Batgirl pretty awesome. And his Joker is really good, too. And it it was one where the mask is, like, all peeling on the sides, and it's all – his is even red on the sides, like, all red on the edges and really twisted. Um, so I'm with you, Dane. I thought this was the best Batgirl issue so far in the run. Um, and I would give it a four. Uh, Oscars, The Dark Knight won't win out of five. All right, so so will Tim <laughs> make us not perfect? Yeah. Will he break the trivecta? <laughs> well, from my previous reviews on Batgirl, I think I've probably been one of the few who hasn't been too hard on the whole series in general. <laughs> so with saying that, I thought this issue was really good as well. I mean, if okay. I liked the other ones... <laughs> It'd be kind of weird if I didn't like this one because this one's probably, <laughs> probably the best Batgirl issue I think out of the new Fifty Two. I mean, you guys hit on all the points, but just really like how Joker is just going about messing with. I mean, this is the first time we've seen him actually mess with one of the Bat family members. It's in a typical Joker way, just going out after the people Barbara cares about, which is her mother. And at this point, I don't think she knows about what happened to Commissioner Gordon yet. But unlike you guys, I guess uh, <laughs> they got me. Caught off guard a little bit, but um, I didn't. I actually did think that was the Joker on the phone at first. Anyway, before we we got to the whole thing of him in the skating rink, I just thought that was him just being twisted and telling her what's going on and having her make a sandwich and all that. <laughs> That's not like to me something Joker would have would have her do while all this stuff's about to go down. Yeah, the thing about like the sandwich is like, is is James gonna go in the house after and eat a sandwich and drink <laughs> <Yeah>. milk? <laughs> He's covering all his bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just happened to be hungry at that point, right? <laughs> but yeah, the whole ending sequence where Barbara actually confronts the Joker was great. And like you guys said, I didn't see that twist ending coming with him proposing. Well, we kind of knew that he was going to be proposing with some of the solicitations we saw earlier. But the way he did it with her mother's finger was just, oh, man, how twisted is that? I just love the art in that whole sequence. You see Barbara have her um, mouth being covered by her hand and she's crying and you just see that Joker's face in that sequence just looks really creepy because you see one eyeball on the right side and on the left side all you see is just like red in there it just looks really twisted in that sequence but the thing with the Joker this issue as far as the art I thought like on the first few pages when we first see him in that uh, skating rink I didn't particularly like how he looked just some about it seemed off, but then on the last few pages is when he kind of looks more creepy and twisted. That looked really cool. I don't know if there was a different artist or colorist on these different pages, but I think he looked distinctly different in the few pages from each other. But the ones at the end, I thought he looked really cool and creepy. Yeah, on the last 
page it says that there's two, you know, it says Ed Benz and Daniel Sempre art. And then one guy did, Vincent did the inks on pages 13 to 20, and someone else did the inks on pages 11 and 12. So that you can definitely tell that there's yeah, different okay, artists then. throughout the book. Yeah. Without and I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And I just, so on your point, I didn't know it was her brother right away on the phone. I, I first thought maybe it was the Joker. And when he's like, make a sandwich, I thought like she'd bring the sandwich and the Joker would eat it or something. <laughs> and then after it went on just a little bit, um, then I kind of caught on that it wasn't the Joker and it was her brother. Yeah, because once you did the skating rink, you kind of knew it was the Joker, but I still didn't know who was actually on the phone because I thought pretty much James Jr. was done with that whole nightfall thing because that's who we, he was in league with before. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't see it coming where it was actually him. So I'm definitely curious to see what his tie is with the Joker. And I remember in before the New 52 and Detective, it was something where when James Gordon was in Arkham, he, he said to Barbara that he was the one who kind of pushed Joker on to cripple Barbara. So having him go to her house, if he was the one who kind of actually pushed him to do that. I don't know if that's still going to be maintained in the new 52, but definitely curious to see how like connected he is to the Joker. Yeah, that would be cool, because that would have been a Scott Snyder written issue, right? Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah, so that would be a good tie-in, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, I think we're all going to be agreed on the score for this one. I'm also going to give it uh, four Oscars. The Dark Knight Rises won't win out of five. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Tim. You completed our trifecta. Yes. <laughs> so I expect you guys to change your scores to Batman to five. So. <laughs> no, just kidding. The more diversity of the scores, the better. <laughs> all right, so I guess that's it. That's all the comics we got. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to mention? Not for me. I think we hit on everything. Okay. Yeah, definitely. At least everything we read. <laughs> I actually did get kind of worried. I went to my comic shop. They had all these variant, the variant covers for like uh, Batgirl 13 and Catwoman 13. I was, There's two Batgirl issues, and I thought Catwoman's not till next week. Then I, like, I didn't look at it carefully when I saw 13 instead of 14. Well, oh man, I got to get more than I thought I would. But yeah, but I looked at it like, oh okay, this is the <laughs> previous issue. Yeah, it's weird that your comic shop has ish, or the the variants on on the shelves or whatever. Yeah, it was weird. It was on, and it was also for the current week of releases, which is why it kind of got me confused because they usually have another spot for last week's comics. Yeah, that's one thing I like about the digital is when you buy digital, they give you all the covers in the you know you can yeah. look at all the covers. I haven't gotten variant comic covers in a long time. I mean, I actually just got one recently for Batman number 13 with yeah. the other cover, but I used to get them a lot, but I haven't been able to afford all of them <laughs> like I used to yeah. before, so like kind of have to pick and choose. Because before I got like every Green Lantern variant, every Superman variant, every Batman oh, wow. variant, <laughs> like I can't do that anymore. But for just that joke, I'm like, I had to get, I just love that art where he's just looking in the mirror, putting on that makeup on his lips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. I just love that shot. All right, so with that, I guess we're we're done here, right, Tim? We are done. Episode 17 okay. in the books. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you can check out our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Um, you can also find us on iTunes, and you can rate us and stuff. And you can find all of the other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes. You can review them, too. Um, and Dustin's on all of them. Right, Tim? Yes, he is, because as you so neatly put it, he's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> Cyber, cyborg or a droid? Which one? Oh, you got to go with droid. <laughs> yeah, droid. Even though it's copyrighted yeah. by Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> so now we owe him, like, five cents, yeah. <laughs> 25 cents. Um, so, yeah, you can do all that stuff. You can also leave a comment for us on... 
um, the Batman Universe site, and you can tell us what you think about the podcast, or you can give us stuff to talk about, or you can... What else, Tim? Just let us know how we're doing. Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Also, if you need Stella Love 24-7 in your life, if you need her 24-7, you can check out her uh, Batgirl site, batgirltooracle.net. I don't know why we keep on saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Was was it non-existent anymore, or is it? (laughs) No, no, no. It's just she she doesn't pimp our site. Uh, I mean, our podcast. We. Uh, You're the one who said to put it on the show notes. (laughs) 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 Do you want to stop? Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyways, I I guess we'll keep on mentioning it. Who cares? (laughs) But anyways, our outro media... (laughs) Oh, man, another siren's going to come before you finish. I know. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, <laughs> stop laughing. <Coach>. Sorry. <laughs> do you do this when you're doing the other Star Wars podcast? <laughs> Not yet. Our outros are pretty no. smooth so far. Well, it's only two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, bye, everybody. Don't worry, we'll be back here in two weeks. If you need some more loving from us, see ya. Later. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> oh, right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was a long outro. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Just by the outro. <laughs> Uh, maybe you should host from now on. <laughs> no, I'm a host. I'm a host. <laughs> Got like halfway through that joke and it's just uh, happy, all serious. Tears can't fall